three weeks ago, we had a work day here at the church building, and I really haven't had a chance to comment very much about that since, but uh, as many of you know, uh, we had the old basement uh, where classrooms used to be, and since we finished the new classrooms in the basement of this building, those were no longer needed. And so it was determined the best thing for us to do is demolish that old classroom set up in that other basement. It had become sort of a a haven for spiders and a good place for mold and mildew to grow. And so it was deemed it would be best just to clear that out. And so uh, we did that. It, it had been initially thought that it would probably take us two Saturdays to do it. And we'd scheduled two Saturdays of work to get that done. Uh, but uh, amazingly, uh, everybody pitched in. We had a good turnout of workers. And we were able to get that done in less than four hours. It was really quite amazing, you know. And I do commend all the men who were involved in helping get that job done. But as as that was wrapping up, a couple of observations were made. One person made a, a connection to the book of Nehemiah and, and said, you know, it's pretty amazing what people can do when they have a mind to work. And in the book of Nehemiah, the Jews were commended because, remember, they had built the walls of the city of Jerusalem in, in just 52 days. They had accomplished such tremendous tasks. And... It says there they had a mind to work and they were able to get a lot done and that was certainly very commendable. So one observation was that you can get a lot done when you have a mind to work. But then another observation was made, which is maybe not quite so positive, but the, 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 the follow-up observation was, you know you can tear things down a lot faster than you can build them up. And that's true, you know, it, no telling how long it would have taken people to build that when they built the walls and constructed those classrooms in that section of the building. And no doubt it took days and days and days in order to get all of that work done. And we were able to tear it down in just a matter of a few hours. So uh, a, a follow-up observation is it's easier to tear down than to build up. Well, I've been thinking about that, and I decided today for our lesson I'd, I'd try to uh, maybe share some thoughts along the lines of tearing things up is a lot easier than building them up. And we, not, we need to think about that. Certainly, it has application to physical things, as we were just mentioning, but it has application to spiritual things as well. And I want to spend a few minutes this morning talking with you about spiritual things. We need to be careful about tearing down. It's too easy to do. And we want to talk about that in our lesson this morning. Thank you for being here. Several have already commented what an absolutely perfect, gorgeous springtime day it is in Middle Tennessee, and, and it certainly is that. And the glory of God's creation is in evidence all around. Uh, just beautiful, just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, and of course, this day is made better by virtue of the fact that it's the Lord's Day, and we can come together to worship Him, join together in song and prayer and study. Uh, this is all good, and we're so grateful that we have this privilege. Glad that you've chosen to be a part of it. If you're visiting with us today, thank you for being here. And please come again whenever you can. Uh, we, we love to have you as visitors, and we're open to any questions that you might ask uh, about what we're doing here at College View. But thanks to everyone for being present. Now, to our lesson, it's easier to tear down than to build up. I was thinking of some applications to that. The thought came, of course, because of the, the literal demolition of those classrooms uh, three weeks ago. But in spiritual terms, this is also true. For instance, it's easier to tear down your reputation than it is to build it up. Reputation. You know, you have one. You have a reputation. Every one of us here this morning has a reputation in one form or another. And it's extremely important to build a good reputation. 
it's important to have a good reputation. That doesn't happen overnight. You know, you know people that in your mind you would think, yeah, he's got a good reputation. How do you think he came by that? Do you think just one day he said, okay, I'm, I'm going to have a good... No. He didn't just instantly have a good rep- reputation. This person that you have in mind developed that over a long time by acting properly and carefully. He developed a good reputation. Now, reputation, of course, is not what I think of myself. Reputation is what other people think of me. Reputa- your, your reputation is what other people think of you. And so you have to develop that in their minds over a continuing long period of time. In the text that Logan read for us earlier from Proverbs 22, verse 1, it says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor than silver and gold. Are you amazed that King Solomon is the one who said that? Potentially the richest man who ever lived in the history of the world, and yet even he said, and he had lots of silver and gold, lots of great riches, but he said a good name is to be chosen over those things. More important than having so much money as King Solomon had would be have a good reputation. So true. Well, how do I develop a good reputation? Well, I, I have to have right attitudes. i got to take right actions. I have to have my priorities and goals sorted out correctly. I need to be consistent. I need to follow through in all of those kind of things. Building a good reputation is so important. Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, Let no man look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. Paul knew that Timothy's work would be directly impacted by his reputation. And he knew that Timothy needed to maintain a great example, have a a strong, good reputation, if he was going to be effective in being able to preach and spread the gospel. I want to tell you that's true for us, too. We need to have a good reputation. We need to work at building a good reputation so that we can be a a positive force, an influence for good in the lives of others. All right, now to the point. Reputation is important. You have one. I have one. We all have one. Reputations are developed over a long period of time. We've got to put forth effort to have a good reputation over a long period of time. But your good reputation, maybe you've maintained it for years, But in a fleeting moment, it can be destroyed. Your reputation for good, while it takes a long time to build it, can be destroyed quickly. The classic example, I think, in the Bible is that of King David. What episode do you remember in the life of King David? If we took a survey this morning of just people in the general public, and they know who, they've heard of David. What have they heard about David? Well, maybe David and Goliath... But I think probably even more prevalent in people's mind, David and Bathsheba. Here's a good man. David, a very good man. A man man who's credited as being a man after God's own heart. And yet, in this devastating moment, he ruined his reputation. And and that memory still lingers in 2 Samuel chapter 12, beginning verse 9. The prophet Nathan came to King David and he says, Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with a sword and hast taken his wife to be thy wife. By this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. And so this is the point we're making. Here's David, a really good man who'd done tremendous things in God's service. And yet, unfortunately, one of the things he's most remembered for is the terrible sin with Bathsheba. We need to be warned. Uh, you can you, you can tear down a reputation in short order, and then you have to start over again. 
and, and maybe years and years of, of uh, new work to try and restore that reputation and maybe you never get it fully restored again because of something that has happened to tear it down. And so a first example of our, of, of our spiritual premise, easier to tear down than to build up, is concerning our reputation. Let me suggest to you that this principle applies to marriage as well. God has certainly greatly blessed us with His institution of marriage. What a great blessing that married life is. And God, of course, provided that for us, and He made it a a part of His plan for our lives. God's Word provides the guidelines for success in marriage. For instance, the familiar text is Ephesians chapter 5 beginning verse 22, where it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. And then to the husbands it says, Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. I want to tell you, when God's plan for marriage is followed over a long period of time, and when it is, again, this doesn't happen quickly, but when over the long haul, husbands and wives follow the plan that God has set forth in his word, we see a beautiful result. Good things happen when God's plan is followed. For instance, when that plan for marriage is followed, you see the kind of beautiful picture described in Proverbs 31, beginning verse 10. You know this text. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? The heart of her husband does safely trust in her. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. I'm going to tell you, when you read that text, you you get a picture of a a marriage that is really strong and what God wants it to be. Uh, I want to tell you something. That takes work. Every once in a while you hear someone say, oh, well, you've got a happy marriage. You're lucky. No, there's not a lot of luck involved in that. If you've got a happy marriage, it's because you've worked at it and you've put forth the effort and you've built it. Uh, you, you've spent years of building by supporting and encouraging and sharing and thanking and being sacrificial. Uh, years of saying you're sorry when you've done something wrong and forgiving the other one when they seek your forgiveness because of something they've done wrong. A happy, enduring marriage is not something that happens accidentally. It's not just a, 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 an outcome of random luck. It's because you've invested yourself for years and years following God's plan. But I'll tell you something. Even after years of building that up, it can be torn down quickly. It can be torn down quickly by selfishness. It can be torn down quickly by lust. It can be torn down quickly by anger. And in all of that, we are warned to be very careful because it's easier to tear down than to build up. Along those same lines, let's go beyond just the husband-wife relationship and talk about our families in general. We need to be careful here because... Our families are delicate and they do require close attention and lots of diligent effort to make them what they ought to be. We just recently concluded our study on Sunday morning where we talked about parents and children and the godly principles that should govern those kind of things. And we talked a lot as we went through that study about what a huge job this is. Very difficult. I think made harder and harder as time goes on with a lot of the uh, things that are happening in our world Parents in particular are challenged more than ever uh, in raising children. Again, it's going to, if you're going to have a successful family, it's going to take long, dedicated work. Uh, you're going to have to be committed 
There can be no compromise. You got to keep your focus. You, you need to have your priorities constantly in view because if you don't, all the work that you might put into the good of your family could be destroyed quickly. A great example in the, in the scripture that we've talked about a lot is that example of Joshua. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, you know this familiar verse. He says, if it seem evil to, to, unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Uh, think about that. that. That kind of commitment on Joshua's part for his family. As for me and my house, he's saying how it's going to be for me and my house. He was determined. Well, how did that turn out for him anyway? How did that turn out for him? Well, later in that same chapter at verse 31, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua and which had known all the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. Apparently, it turned out good for Joshua. We don't know a lot about his particular family life, but we do know about his commitment and his consistency and his determination. You know, it could have gone a different way. It could have gone a different way in Joshua's life and the life of his family because... He was among a lot of people, the Israelites, who had a proclivity for unfaithfulness. We know that. We know their history. It's very easy to get them to turn away from doing what, right, what was right. But Joshua was determined. Now, think about that for a minute. If we have that same determination, and maybe we go along for years and years and years trying to make it right for our family, trying to put God first and have everything as it ought to be, raising our children, and the nurture and admonition of the Lord, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. We do that for years and years and years. But then, suddenly, a compromise sneaks in here or there. You know, we let, we let our guard down just a little bit. We allow something that we didn't typically allow. Uh, maybe just once. We're not going to make a rule of it, but we just compromise a little bit here or there. Or maybe a fit of rage and a temper. Uh, maybe a moral indiscretion of some sort or another. And quickly, that family that we've been working hard to build up is torn down. And, and so, uh, what about that? Joshua wouldn't allow that. Joshua was not going to do that. As for me and my house, he would say with definite commitment, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What about us? Are we going to work hard consistently and never let down, building up our marriages and our families like God would have us to do? Remember, it's easier to tear down than to build up. Let's talk church for a minute. Let's talk about things involved in our work together in a local congregation. I want to tell you, I think it's easier to tear brethren down than to build them up. Uh, we tore down those basement walls. It was pretty easy. It was pretty easy to tear those walls down. We had plenty of help and everybody was pitching in and working hard. But I tell you, it's a lot easier to tear them down than it was to build them up. And that can happen. So the, the physical walls of that church building basement were torn down quickly. And I don't tell you, that can happen spiritually as well if we are not careful. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, it says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Notice here, you're supposed to give consideration to this. You're supposed to think about how you can provoke your brethren to love and good works, not provoke them to being mad, angry, and discouraged. You're supposed to provoke them unto love and good works. You're, you're supposed to be thinking about that. Are you spending anything, any time thinking about your relationship to your brethren in Christ and how 
you can build them up. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes a long time effort to build them up. And But a thoughtless word or deed can do more harm quickly than years and years of work can restore. Be careful. You can tear down your brethren so easily. In Romans chapter 15, verse 1, Paul says, we, ought, that we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good unto edification. We're building souls here. We're building them one at a time through teaching and encouraging and strengthening. Uh, we're trying to build up the weak, make them stronger. Encourage the strong that they be stronger still. Let's not do anything to tear that down. It's so easy to tear down and it can happen so quickly. Be careful not to tear your brethren down. Well, along those same lines, a little bit more, I talk about the church as a whole. There, of course, the church is made up of individuals, and that's what we were just talking about, but think about the church as a whole. This is not, when we talk about the church, the church is not a building that is susceptible to quick destruction by a wrecking ball. Uh, we know that, right? We know that the church is the people. Uh, it, something could happen to destroy this building, uh, we'd still be the church, and we'd still we'd still go on. The church is not the building. This building can be torn down by a wrecking ball, uh, but the church can go on. Uh, however, this congregation, this spiritual family, can be destroyed if we're not constantly vigilant, and it can happen quickly. For instance, tearing down the church could happen if we let down our guard against false teaching. Uh, we need to be on the lookout for the harm that can be caused. Uh, by false teachers like Peter talked about in Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. As we read that passage, the thing that sort of jumps out is Peter saying, there shall, there, ha- there always have been, and there shall be. Peter basically saying there have always been false teachers. There always will be false teachers. Notice the result of their work was to tear down. They're going to bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their pernicious ways. And so, if we're not vigilant against false teaching, it can tear the church down in in short order. You know, a lot of times I think people say, oh, we, we just emphasize doctrine so much. Doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. Well, why? Well, for this very reason, we've got to be on the guard against false teachers who can destroy uh, a local congregation. This coming weekend, we're going to have the special series of studies with Donnie Rader. It's going to be doctrinally rich. There's going to be a lot of doctrine Friday night, Saturday morning, and next Sunday afternoon. Donnie Rader will bring us four lessons about things that have done what? Torn down the body of Christ. Things that have destroyed the unity and the peace and the, and the working relationship in, uh, among churches and Christians. We need to know that. We've got to be on guard against false teachers. And so hopefully we'll keep emphasizing that. It's a very important thing because the church can be destroyed without that. The church can also be destroyed uh, w- by a person or persons with uh, an evil heart seeking personal glory like Diotrephes in Third John. In Third John beginning verse 9, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. 
prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. We, you know, we know the name Diotrephes, and we know how that he was determined to, to have his own way, and he was a man seeking uh, to have his uh, own personal glory exalted to the expense of the church. We've got to be on guard against things like that that can tear down the church. Or tearing down the church might happen like it happened at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, that horrible situation of immorality that they would not deal with. Uh, notice 1 Corinthians 5 verse 1, it's reported commonly that there's fornication among you and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife and ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. Here the church at Corinth was suffering. They were in a bad shape. They were being destroyed, wrecked, if you will, torn down because immorality was present amongst them and they would do nothing about that. To all the people who might have the opinion, it's none, it's, it's none of their business. It's nobody's business how I live my life. It's nobody's business how I treat my wife. It's, it's nobody's business how I raise my kids. It's, it's nobody's business. My morality is not anybody else's business. I'll do as I please. To all of those, we say, yes, it is our business. If you're a part of this body of Christ, it's our business that you conduct yourself the way you should because we could, we could all be suffering. This church could be torn down if we're not all careful about continuing to build it up. Be careful. The message really is be careful. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Verse 17, Paul says, If any man destroy the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. In this part of 1 Corinthians, in chapter 3, Paul is using the expression, we are the temple of God, to talk about the church. Later in chapter 6, he will talk about our, our own personal bodies as the temple of the Holy Ghost. Uh, so he, later in the book, he'll talk about individuals defiling the temple. But here, the temple of God that he's describing is the church. And notice the strong wording. He says, if any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. And so we need to be warned and we need to be careful because it's so easy to tear down the church. And years and years and years of work, positive work, can be ruined in just an instant. Well, you might think of some other applications, but the principle, I think, is, is certainly obvious. It was so obvious that day when we destructed that, uh, or, well, maybe I shouldn't say destructed, we demolished that old basement downstairs. Uh, you, you can get a lot done in a little bit of time when people have a mind to work. But it's also so obvious that it's easier to tear down than to build up. And that has not only physical uh, truth in it, but there's spiritual truth in that as well. Thanks for your good attention to what we've had to say. We're going to sing a song of invitation. And in doing this, we want to ask everybody present, think about yourself, think about your relationship to God, make sure it's right. If you're not a Christian yet, we urge you to become one through hearing the truth, believing it, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Christ, being baptized for the remission of sins. If you've never done that, we hope you make that decision without delay. If you're a Christian already, but you haven't been living right for Him, we beg you to come back in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing.
Oh.